This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features uh, that we have there for you for free. There's a bunch of stuff there, including the Free Talk Live archives. You can go way back, all the way to uh, late 2006, all courtesy of our friends over at HostGator. Now, uh, last night uh, was another edition of uh, She Talk Live, as she it, talk is, live. it is being called. And so if you missed that, that's what you can grab right now if you want, uh, as well as hundreds more shows over at freetalklive.com. Also, the main feature of the site allows you, the listener, to interact uh, with, uh, well, as, as far as suggest show prep for us. You can interact with other listeners and see what other listeners think are interesting and vote up and down on the things you like and dislike. And the most voted up will make it to the front page of the website, meaning we're more likely to see them and talk about them. Now, this is a story that I think was at the top of the website a few days ago, and we just never got around to it. We had a lengthy discussion on Saturday night, more of like a history lesson from uh, the folks over at Information Clearinghouse about what the history of the United States federal government's in, uh, intervention uh, over in the Middle East has been for the last, oh, I don't know, 80 years. Yeah, if you talk to the average American, uh, they'll just wander. They'll, they'll just, they, they, they really are largely clueless about what was going on in the Middle East prior to 9-11-2001. And whatever was going on certainly didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, worthy of, of somebody, you know, Acting violently against citizens of the United States, and honestly, I have to agree that it, there's there's really no point in attacking innocent civilians when it's the government of the United States which has been supporting dictators that uh, slaughter tens of uh, ten thousand people, and in, in the Shah slaughtered in one go right there at a, at a peace vigil in uh, Tehran, and the Shah, for those that don't know, was a puppet dictator set up by the CIA. So the uh, the CIA, the United States government through the CIA, has been involved in uh, Middle East politics for decades. Right. And uh, so one of the things that we couldn't really get into on Saturday night was some of the examples of the personal atrocities, because we were just glossing over murdering, you know, the, the murders of thousands of people in, in you two hit the senses. High points, you know? And so you don't get to really focus in on some of the just the horrific things that are done on an individual level on the, the ground uh, by these troops. And sometimes, now, officially, many of the official things that are done are horrific and, and murderous and terrible. And we certainly talked about those things. The Abu Ghraib prison uh, certainly was one of them. And continuously bombing and murdering people is, is, a, is another one that just goes on and on. That's in Iraq, yeah. But now and then, you get a story or there's a story that comes out that not even the military can, uh, can embrace with its violent ways. And this is one of those stories from The Guardian in the U.K., Twelve American soldiers face charges over a secret kill team that allegedly blew up and shot Afghan civilians at random and collected their fingers as trophies. Five of the soldiers are charged with murdering three Afghan men who were allegedly killed for sport in separate attacks this year. Seven others are accused of covering up those killings and assaulting a recruit who exposed the murders when he reported other abuses, including members of the unit smoking hashish stolen from civilians. Wait well, a minute. Our boys would never do any drugs, would they? This is this must not be true. Well, the nicest thing I could say about these guys is that they were smoking hashish. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it, it's wrong to steal from people, but especially if you kill them to get the things that you stole from them. But this... 
I, I just, you know, you saw the, I, I can't remember which uh, movie it was, uh, Hamburger Hill, I can't mm. remember um, which one. Where it's the a Vietnam guy, movie. Yeah, where the, where the guy's saying, well, I know which ones are the bad Viet, he's shooting down at rice paddies, out, going out of a, a helicopter, just, you know, randomly shooting at people in rice paddies, and he's like, well, I know which ones are the bad Viet Cong, because they run away. You, you know, it's uh, and and you can imagine what it's like to be a soldier on the ground there. Maybe one of your friends or somebody you knew has been killed, and it it can very quickly get to be an us versus them kind of thing. I you know, I mean, I I well, totally if you were doing the right it. thing in the first place, you wouldn't be there. Uh, agreed, but you that wouldn't doesn't be really fighting. matter. I mean, they're there. I'm not. Uh, I'm right, not apologizing. Just because for your this buddies behavior. have been killed doesn't excuse going I'm around. I'm not apologizing for this behavior. Ian. Okay. What I'm explaining is, like, this could quickly d- diminish into this kind of activity. So you, you put g- your you put your sons over there. You put automatic weapons in their hands, and hey, guess what, America? Your sons are going to become murderers because that's what war's about. In one of the most serious accusations of war crimes to emerge from the Afghan conflict, the killings are alleged to have been carried out by members of a striker infantry brigade based in Kandahar province in southern Afghanistan. According to investigators and legal documents, discussion of killing Afghan civilians began after the arrival of Staff Sergeant Calvin Gibbs at forward operating base Ramrod last November. Other soldiers told the Army's Criminal Investigation Command that Gibbs boasted of the things he got away with while serving in Iraq and said how easy it would be to toss a grenade at someone and kill them. One soldier said he believed Gibbs was feeling out the platoon. Investigators said Gibbs, 25, hatched a plan with another soldier, Jeremy Morlock, 22, and other members of the unit to form a kill team. While on patrol over the following months, they allegedly killed at least three Afghan civilians. And you can better believe that if that's all the, that uh, the charges are alleging, they probably killed at least 30. I'm just well, saying. The, the numbers are that uh, you know, they're, they're being estimated that a dozen civilians got killed for every one enemy. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, those are incredible numbers. According to the charge sheet, the first target was Guimudin, who was killed by means of throwing a fragmentary grenade at him and shooting him with a rifle. When the patrol entered the village of Lahamad Calais in January, Morlock and another soldier, Andrew Holmes, were on guard at the edge of a poppy field when Mudin emerged and stopped on the other side of a wall from the soldiers. Gibbs allegedly handed Morlock a grenade, who armed it and dropped it over the wall next to the Afghan, then dived for cover. Holmes, 19, then allegedly fired over the wall. Later in the day, Morlock is alleged to have told Holmes that the killing was for fun and threatened him if he told anyone. The second victim, Marak Agha, was shot and killed the following month. Gibbs is alleged to have shot him and placed a Kalashnikov next to the body to justify the killing. Same thing that happens uh, in the streets of America. This guy make a good cop. Well, uh, I I don't think you have that many cops that are out doing, you know, uh, killing for fun. This, this, This guy is a sick, twisted serial killer. I didn't say many cops would be doing this, Mark. I just said he'd make a good cop because that's been done before. Cops uh, have killed people even when and they, they've put guns next to them to justify co- it. Cops have killed people sometimes by mistake and put guns next to them too. I don't care what their reasons are. Well, a mistake. They're if, framing I, someone after death for, uh, for allegedly being violent towards them when in some, many cases they're shooting men in the backs. In May, and, and by the way, uh, it should be pointed out that many, many uh, military members go on to become police officers. So in May, so this guy, if he hadn't gotten caught, could end up on the streets in your town. In May, Mullah Ab- Ab- 
oh boy, Adahad, was killed after being shot and attacked with a grenade. The Army Times reported at least one of the soldiers collected the fingers of the victims as souvenirs and that some of them posed for photographs with the bodies of their victims. Five soldiers are accused of murder and aggravated assault, among other charges. All of the soldiers have denied the charges. They face the death penalty or life in prison if convicted. I'll bet. The toll-free number here for you is 1-800-259-9231. The killings came to light in May after the Army began investigating a brutal assault on a soldier who told superiors that members of his unit were smoking hashish. The Army Times reported that members of the unit regularly smoked the drug on duty and sometimes stole it from civilians. The soldier, who was straight out of basic training and has not been named, said he witnessed the smoking of hashish and drinking of smuggled alcohol, but initially did not report it out of loyalty to his comrades. But when he returned from an assignment at an army headquarters and discovered soldiers using the shipping container in which he was billeted to smoke hashish, he reported it. Two days later, members of his platoon, including the killer Gibbs and Morlock, accused him of snitching, gave him a beating, and told him to keep his mouth shut. The soldier reported the beating and threats to his officers and then told investigators that he knew of the kill team. 800-259-9231. I think the sad part about this is these guys got snitched on for smoking pot. Like the, 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 This all came down because of smoking pot and drinking. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. In times of economic instability, precious metals are the best hedge against inflation and can be a great investment opportunity. Bullion Investment Corporation is the gold standard in precious metal acquisition. Whether you're in the market for gold, silver, platinum, or palladium, you can leverage up to 400% by taking advantage of the Purchase Power Program. And don't forget about the low price guarantee. BIC will meet or beat the price of any other broker. Bullion Investment Corporation, proudly serving our clients for over 25 years. For more information, call Bullion Investment Corporation now at 1-888-486-1275 or visit goldbullion.net. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system. You can go and get interactive uh, in our forum over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. So what's the reason that you don't write your Congress critters on important issues to you? Is it because you know it's pointless? It doesn't have to be that way. Your voice can be raised with that of tens of thousands of other people's voices at the same time. If you go to DC.org and sign up now, DC.org is working on two very important issues right now. Plus, they keep you apprised with... Um, Several times a week, they'll, they'll send out emails on, on important issues. But they have two, two very important issues. It's the Read the Bills Act and the One Subject of, at a Time Act. And these two important bills would really put a crimp in Congress's law-writing style. Go, go check it out at uh, downsizedc.org. All right, 800-259-9231. Uh, coming up, one man's story about refusing to answer questions at, I believe it was 
Customs. Yeah, International San Francisco International Airport as he was coming back from China. We'll uh, tell you what happened to him and also take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Uh, Taryn is in Georgia to start things out. Taryn, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. Hey, hey good Taryn. evening, fellas. What's on your mind I tonight? I am calling kind of uh, from a past show you guys had where we were, you were talking about candidates uh, running for office. And um, it was a discussion where you were like, Asking people calling about candidates. Now, I've never well, been I, candidate I wasn't really person. asking anybody to do that. I was just suggesting that uh, I think it was actually one of our callers that I had called so too, in yeah. asking wow. if there were any good candidates out there. And so I suggested that maybe our listeners would know because I hadn't really heard of anything. Personally, I could care less. But, uh, you know, if there really is somebody well, that's fantastic, I'd feel free. I, 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 that's why I'm calling because normally I could care less too. But, um, and you guys know this candidate is uh, Tracy Ward running in uh, Kansas City, District 6. And she is the, the Lola girl with the pink hair. Right. Now, oh, that's right. She's run. on the calendar this month, actually, the uh, Ladies of Liberty Alliance yeah. calendar. She was actually going to run just because um, some incumbent had been there forever, and she was just going to use it as an opportunity to get the message of liberty out. She didn't want to win. She didn't want to actually run any sort of real campaign, just was going to use the platform, basically. Mm-hmm. And which I, I agree with that. I mean, that's, hey, any way to get the, the message out. Well, what happened, though, was the candidate she was running for just dropped out of the race and really didn't let anyone know she was going to drop out. So Tracy's like the only candidate left for a real position. And um, so, so she's the only candidate, meaning she has be, zero competitors? As of right now. They've only got so many days left before. They've got to get so many signatures to get on the ballots, and, and she's only got so many days where um, she can get on. I, I think she's on the ballot, but I don't think anyone else is organized enough to collect all the signatures to get on. So right now she's running unopposed. Oh, wow, great. Um, Good for her. It's for city council, and, you know, she's the kind of candidate. Basically, she told me two things. that um, One, the, the salary is over $60,000. Wow, for a city councilor? <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like in most she places. She said that she will... She will take pictures and give that money back and prove that she was going to give that money back to local non-government charities and liberty causes. Mm. So just for that fact alone, I think that's worth supporting. But uh, the flip side is just to have someone in there that says no to everything. She's, uh, she's very principled. So I actually got excited that there might be a candidate that's, that's going to win to get in. And, and, I mean, not that, you know, I mean, she's you still know. one voice in a, in a crowd, but it's pretty neat to have, I think, candidates who are actually activists to get elected like i would be excited if andrew carroll got elected i think he would be uh he's one of the uh, locals up well. here in Keene, new hampshire that is uh, running for office you know I, I really like the idea that uh that the tracy might get elected and i certainly um you know endorse her uh she, you know, nice having, lady yeah i've talked to her and she seems like a, a nice gal but uh, this this idea that uh counselors should uh, that that people that liberty people that that win should give back their paychecks um, you know, I don't know about that. If if this is a full time job and this gal is expected to go to work um, every day and act like a city council person, I don't. And sixty thousand dollars once you you start putting taxes into that doesn't turn into very much. Um, you know, the city councilors really are expected to make their money on kickbacks, graft, and and bribes. And so, um, you know, she's not hopefully going to be getting that money. And by the time the taxes kick in, she might get forty thousand dollars a year out of that, and she'll be lucky to what she got two kids or three. 
At least a couple. Uh, she's got two kids. Yeah. She'll be lucky to be able to support those two kids on that $40,000 that she actually takes home. I, I don't, I don't, I don't support that. Uh, but you know, it's not that I'm going to well, vote for her. Wait a minute. It. Doesn't Tracy get to decide for herself how to handle the money that she gets? Maybe she's doing fine and she doesn't need that $60,000. Indeed. But it, what it does is it sets a precedent. And I'm not, and I'm not scolding her. She can do whatever she wants with her money. But it sets a precedent for other, um, uh, liberty activists that they have to somehow meet this bar or they are not moral, uh, as moral as others. And I think that to some extent, Tracy may be trying to reach that bar that's been set by other activists in the past. And I just, how I many activists have been bar. elected? <laughs> not very many. It doesn't matter whether they get elected. I, they just have to say, <laughs> if I get elected, I will give double my paycheck to kids with cancer no one's ever said that, that are dying in the street. You know? You're being hyperbolic. Well, no one's ever I, said I think- that. I, I, I understand what Mark's saying, and, and I kind of agree that I wouldn't have a problem because I consider that money stolen from you in the first place. Like, if you're getting your own stolen money back, I, I got no problem with that. But um, I think she wants to prove a point that, um, you know, it's a part-time position. She could go there and, and just vote no and sit on their, you know, a computer and, I don't know, surf Facebook or something and give the money away to back to the, the community. I I think it's great. I mean, when Julia uh, tried to do it back here in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire, when she ran for city council, the attorney genitals office came out and threatened her with a felony charge because she had she she was planning on giving the money to uh, like to a random person in the area and contesting situation. Yeah. So they were they, saying it was a bribe. Is that how they were? No, angling? they came up with the with the they were saying that it was like basically gambling, essentially that. Oh. Yeah, she was running a gambling I, yeah, operation. I have no idea. I just thought that was pretty admirable. Now, I agree with Mark, though. I mean, if the candidate wants to take their own stolen money back and use it, I, I don't really have a problem with that. But um, but I think it's pretty cool that she's willing to do that. And I, don't, I don't hear too many out there saying that. And this is a candidate who actually can win. Um, so when her campaign actually gets kicking, I'll probably call back and, and let you know what's going on with it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because uh, normally when it comes to... Uh, liberty activists running a campaign, it's very unlikely that they will have, uh, they'll be unopposed. But man, if you can get yourself in on an unopposed well, office, then that, you should. That's right? one of the reasons why you you file to, to run is because you never know what's going to happen. Um, a, a friend of mine in my town is, uh, you know, she's going to be, she's going to be running for what's a, at this point an unopposed position. She just, you just have to get 10 write-in ballots in my town in order to get put on the, uh, the, the general and uh, you know she's a, she's a shoe in on this one, so yeah, I, I'm for that. But you know that in the case of Julia uh, saying that she was going to give away um, you know her money for one, you're talking about two thousand dollars, not sixty thousand dollars. Right. That's a, a significant difference. Secondly, Julia um, was you know the, the first free stater to run in Keene, New Hampshire. She was trying to use some shtick in order to get some uh, some attention. Tracy Ward appears to be running unopposed, so she doesn't need the shtick. And that's why I think the, the I see what you're saying. You, you know, setting the bar at liberty activists have to give away their money in order to be considered serious is a bad precedent. Thanks, Taryn. Appreciate your call tonight at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. 
MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, and you'll find the features there free, including our webcam. You can watch and listen and interact, because our chat room is built into the very same page as the webcam. So go and enjoy that over at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Have you ever considered taking your case to court without an attorney? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people with a lawyer who must know what it takes, uh, excuse me, uh, without a lawyer who must know what it takes to win, and for people with lawyers that want to minimize legal fees and maximize winning by knowing what should be done. It works for plaintiffs and defendants. It costs less than an hour with any good attorney. And it's so easy the average eighth grader could go through the complete four-CD course in a single weekend. You can get it at Jurisdictionary.com. I've taken it, and it is a great course, and I believe that it will help anybody who wishes to take uh, you know, whatever kind of ticket to court. It's Jurisdictionary.com. All right, 800-259-9231, continuing with your phone calls. Let's talk to Joe in South Carolina. Hello, Joe. Hello, hi. Hey, Thank what's you on? for taking my phone call. Yes, sir. What's I on your mind? Had a quick, I had a quick question or an issue, and I would be interested in hearing either of you gentlemen's views on the idea of private land ownership, and in particular, um, if anyone could make like a principled argument either for or against the idea of owning a piece of the surface area of the planet. So the question is, could someone make a principled argument for or against it? Um, yes, it's something I've thought about, and it just doesn't seem like there's a right or a, or a wrong in the idea of someone asserting that they own a, a piece of land. So can somebody own something else? Um, yes, absolutely. Tell me, how, um, tell me how they own it. Um, that's a great question. Uh, just with the idea of private property and I guess if um, maybe I put some work into producing some sort of object or or something of that nature, then I would argue that I did own it since it's sort of the fruits of my time and my labor. So if I were to find like a log, say on the on, in the right of way on on a on a on a road, one could argue that no one essentially owns it, uh, and that I take that log, I carve it into a totem pole, and I sell it to somebody who loves artistic totem poles for four hundred dollars. Um, I own that totem pole, or did until I somebody bought it for four hundred bucks, right? Absolutely, yes. And then I use the four hundred dollars. I invest in more logs because clearly there is a world full of gullible people, and I will sell them all totem poles. Um, so I guess the, the 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 statement to that would be, you know, somehow you procure a piece of land through sort of agreement with other people. I admit to you that land um, at some point was stolen from someone else, uh, but 
at, you know, in today's world, there's an agreement that I own my land and it's through pieces of paper and uh, that make it difficult for other people to argue that they own the land. However, um, you know, when you're talking about real ownership, I am doing what you did with the stick to the land. I am working it. I am keeping, you know, in the areas that I choose to leave trees, I I clear out deadfall and things like that so that we don't have problems. We have less of a problem with uh, forest fires and stuff like that. Um, In the areas that I have taken down trees, I I am gardening. I have built a home. I have uh, put up a a, a shed. Now, um, try to make an argument against using those criteria that you previously made. Please make an argument against my ownership of that land. Um. Yes, I mean, it's a tough argument, but I would just um, let me propose a situation where you you do own this piece of land that you're speaking of and say that, you know, it's it's more land that you're you can occupy at once with your physical you know mass of your body. And so I'm out in one corner of your land and I kind of clear off a little area and and build myself a little log cabin of some sort. And I want to live there. But technically, this is within the confines of the area that you claim to own. Now, I, too, have, you know, found this piece of land and put some of my work into it and some of my labor. I don't see a a clear distinction there, uh, you know, if we're just ignoring government papers and deeds and whatnot. So if I were to come more than me, so if I were to come over to your house and and you've gone away on a vacation for a little while and I I get a hold of your car and I I paint pretty flowers on it and a peace sign and uh, (laughs) say that, you know, that I I put uh, love of, uh, you know, a power of love greater than love of power on the back and, you know, all kinds of little hippie sayings. And then I claim, well, this car is my own. I have done, uh, I've improved this car. I have made it better than it was before. And the person who previously had it isn't using it. So um, does that make it mine? Um, No, I would argue that it didn't. And it, I, I, I mean, I see your point in that I could say that, well, you know, I rightfully purchased that car through, something that I gave to the person who originally owned it. And we could continue to regress to say, well, that car is made of metal that came from inside the earth somewhere that somebody forged. And it seems like no matter if we apply this to any sort of physical property, we always get back to the point of where that property originated in its most basic form. And so am I arguing then that you can actually own a piece of the earth um, by saying that I own my car? Well, what I'm saying is, is what you are largely, what I'm saying is the same as what you're saying, is that if you mix your labor with something, and that something is large or small, is it large like a piece of land or small like a totem pole? If you mix your mm-hmm. labor with that something, and or whether it's a, it's something that you mix your labor with, sell and then take money and buy with a car, like a car or a piece of land, that in all ways you own that thing. And it, I admit sure. that, that, um, you know, land is something Something very special. It is unique in a lot of ways, but it. Uh-huh. Um, but when you're talking about land, you're 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 talking about a scarce resource, and scarce mm-hmm. resources are best distributed through the marketplace. And the marketplace has come up, you know, in, in when you're not talking about people using guns and violence and bombs and things or, or muskets or swords or whatever means that they use to separate people from their land, the free, the, the free market or the marketplace currently as it exists has, has done a pretty good job in taking land and, and moving it back and forth with people in a, in a proper... Uh, well, it's not the free market. That's I the, said the marketplace. Okay. Uh, in the marketplace. And, you know... It, 
it, it's a good way of, of going back and forth. If we use the system that you're talking about, ownership breaks down uh, at, at all levels. Oh, certainly, and I just want to be clear. I'm not putting forth the system, but okay. I'm putting forth just the – neither option seems to be immediately clear to me. Whereas, you know, if I say I'm going to go rob somebody, I think that's wrong. But as of saying claiming ownership to a piece of the surface area of this planet that we all live on doesn't seem immediately to be either one way or the other right or wrong. As you said at, in the beginning of your, in your argument, when we, began, when we began speaking, you did admit that all of the land that really exists now that people do claim ownership over was at some point stolen from somebody. So if you can admit that, how can you legitimate or how can you argue that your ownership of that land is any way legitimate if it was stolen land because i would tell you because i'll tell you this that once something that you have a responsibility to keep things in your possession also that you can't Mm -hmm. take your convertible to main street full of cash up to the 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 car door and uh you know leave it with uh, the keys in the ignition and have the expectation that you're going to come back and all the cash and the car is still going to be there, right? Like you'd be Certainly, a boob. Yes. So there's there's a there's a level of uh, there's a level of responsibility for the person who owns something to secure it, and the, right. the and when when it goes out of one's grasp, it's not really yours anymore. The person who stole it is responsible for making you whole because they did you harm. But what if they're dead and it's been hundreds of years? Right, and that's the point. You know, the the fact is, what if Ian steals a watch from you and then sells the watch to me? Am I responsible for giving you your watch back? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm not. I paid for that watch. Ian's responsible for making you whole, and if... The only way that he can make you whole is by buying that watch back from me at ten times what it's worth, or a hundred times what but it's worth. But if Ian has a heart attack, then you're really SOL, right? Because what are you going to do then? I'll tell you what, I want to bring you back because uh, that was Mark's answer, but I've got one for you too. So uh, moments here, we'll continue on this discussion of property, uh, ownership of land. I think it's a, it's a tricky issue. And I'm, I feel like I'm kind of in the middle on this. And I'll explain what I mean by that here in a moment at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? perhaps a cabin on a lake, or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. This is Free Talk Live. Phone lines are open for you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line from sicko soldiers collecting fingers of their innocent victims to your questions about uh, and your thoughts about property rights and ownership. We'll talk about anything here. 800-259-9231. By the way, I mentioned the webcam a few moments ago. The cam is brought to you by MemoryDealers.com. Right. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. They have uh, great prices and service on used networking equipment such as Cisco routers and switches. They also offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. 
at up to 99% off of list price. Go over to MemoryDealers.com now. Check out their prices on all these things. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, I think Joe has hung out here. He is with us from South Carolina, and we're talking about uh, property ownership. And what does it really mean to uh, to own a, a plot of land, specifically uh, land, although we, we have addressed the issue of uh, other things like cars and such. But, Joe, your purpose in calling in was to talk about, okay, well, what if, what if you know, there's this piece of land and the guy who supposedly owns it uh, hasn't really done anything with it? Doesn't it make sense that somebody could come in there at some point and, and kind of claim it? Uh, and are you still with us, Joe? Sure. So you're yeah, calling? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think that's uh, maybe one of the key questions for me is that, as Mark argued earlier, and I somewhat agree that if you put your time and your labor into something, you should own it. But what if you have a piece of overgrown forest that you've never even seen before or never done any work to? Yeah, and there's a lot How of land you... out there like that. This is why I kind of feel like I'm in the middle because, Mark, you said earlier, and yeah. I, agree with, I agree with this statement, that the marketplace is the best at allocating resources, right? I mean, the, the, the marketplace, if it's free and if it's unencumbered by government regulations and controls, uh, people deciding for themselves – making decisions based on a variety of factors, maybe right, maybe wrong, uh, in the aggregate makes the overall the best situation possible. However, I think that within the marketplace, there are, uh, there are certain rules that will come about through common agreement. And really, that's all property is. Property is just an idea in the same way that rights are an idea. Uh, and these are ideas that have real tangible benefit to our lives. The idea that you can own something is useful because if you can own something, then you can put your time and labor into it and you can keep it and you're justified in keeping it or selling it or giving it away or doing whatever it is uh, that you want to do with it. If you don't own it, then you don't have the incentive to put those investments into it. You don't have – there's no reason for you to improve something because somebody else can just come and take it from you. You don't benefit from it. So, so the idea of property is one that uh, man has come up with over over however many uh, hundreds of years thousands of years of our evolution because it is in line with human nature um, so i think it's a, it's a good thing on the other hand i also understand the point that well there's some tycoon that's got uh, thousands of square miles of uh, of property that he's never done anything with and it's just been passed through the family uh, for generation upon generation i don't think it would be unreasonable for the marketplace to come up with a you know essentially a, a standard rule of property ownership that if you don't use it, you lose it at well, some point with some is, sort of level of stipulations on it. I think that makes sense. This is the question. Well, it, it may make sense to you. However, you're not thinking clearly. Um, the, <laughs> the problem here is, is when you're talking about, well, okay, suppose I'm not a tycoon. Who gets to decide who a tycoon is, right? This, this is the first question is it's not going to be Ian in charge, right? Is that agreed? Of course not. Okay. Sure. So I don't think any one person would be in charge. Uh, right. And, and so what you're going to find is is that you're going to you're asking somebody to make this decision, the marketplace, which really means some guy, and or some group of people. Well, no, it would be an aggregate dec- of decisions uh, made by arbitrators and things like that, based on a variety of circumstances and, and cases and allegations. Sure. And so on. That's let me let me make idea, the point. Wait, I wait, think- I got a point here. Um, so ahead. let's say I buy 10,000 acres. Is that big enough for you that I'm not using all of it? I, I 100,000 acres? Yeah. Whatever, man. Okay, 100,000 acres. <laughs> I want to live in the middle of it on a tent 
because I don't want thieves taking pieces of it away from me. I don't want nasty people that think that they can take other people's land anywhere near me. So I'm going to live in the middle of my land on a tent. Mm. But by Which what part definition am I not would using? You, but by what definition, Mark, would your land become abandoned? I'm, I, I don't. Here's what is I it believe, possible to ever here's abandon? Here's what I land? believe is going to happen. Okay, that the marketplace will handle this, and it'll handle it in the fashion that, indeed, if I put the land in some kind of trust, uh, that you know, maybe I'm putting it in some kind of nature preserve trust. By the way, I think that's doing something with the land. Doing nothing with the land is doing something with the land. But it may very well occur. There's not too many uh, plots of land currently that haven't changed ownership in some way in 300 years or 500 years. Do you understand? Like at some point or another, just time will erode away at the property rights that I've set forth. If I put up a trust that says this land will be untouched for five for 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 from now in immorium at some point or another, it's just, it's just not going to be that way. Um, Well, who decides that Mark? Likely, I think, I think likely what you're talking about is little thieves will come in and they'll set up a, uh, you know, areas of land and then some arbitrator will say well who owns this this thing's been in a trust for 250 years um and and then some arbitrator will say well i i i don't know i the 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 landowner here the trust has to pay in order to uh uh, you know make the person whole that's actually built this stuff up or something they'll they'll make some crazy off the wall uh notation but the fact is things like this that go unprotected for a period of time do get stolen i'm just saying that that's life i'm not advocating it okay well just as a final question i appreciate hearing you guys ideas and just talking this out and working through it. And the final question, I just, for both of you, if both of you would answer it, I'm just curious. Suppose it was the situation that I came and I sat down in your front yard and I just kind of set up a little camp for myself and I just kind of started living there, existing there. Um, my question is just, would you initiate force against me just sitting there, you know, doing nothing, minding my business to get me outside of your boundary that you call yours? Would you initiate force against that? Well, it wouldn't be, uh, first of all, it wouldn't be an initiation of force because you violated uh, the property rights of the individual. I mean, in the same way that if you climb through the window in the middle of the night with a machete in your hands, it's not an initiation of force to do what you need to do even to if repel that. Even if you climb through the window with a petunia in uh, your with hand. That, with that person. So um, the, the appropriate way to handle an initiation of force, which would be you initiating the force, is with a an equal uh, amount of, uh, of that. So you haven't actually used any real significant force of violence in that right. you've just used the force yeah. of of intrusion if you will and so at that point my response would be excuse me um you know you're not allowed to be here I and mean, i might rent the place to you hey you can set up your little yeah. tent but I'd it's going to cost dinner. you this i bring you dinner uh, and uh you know tell you that a couple of days here is fine or you know you've got a week or, or whatever until you need to find somebody else's front lawn to camp on but at some point or another you know it's if gonna, you're asked it's to leave to go. right if you're asked to leave and you at that point don't leave uh, that's when it becomes appropriate to have you physically removed it doesn't mean that you deserve to be shot or you deserve to be you know physically harmed in any way shape or form it just you're gonna to- have to yeah. eat at some point right um, and you're not gonna uh, likely sure, yeah. bring enough uh, food with you in order to stay two weeks so that means you're gonna have to start you know at some point or another you're gonna have to grow food if you don't want to be there so your your campsite can be neatly packed up and put on the corner goodbye you know, a little note, see you later, or, um, you know, when you come home, I can stand there smiling and say, hey, it's time for you to go. I mean, it, there's no there's no reason to hack your hand off and, and throw it out in the street yeah. so you can go yeah, running sure. after it. 
Okay. So that well, answer your question? Just, it, it sounds like both. Yeah, yeah. It just it sounds then like both of you are are kind of on the same page or in agreement with one another that uh, you both do sort of support the idea or agree with the idea that you can forcibly control or own a piece of property just as you would, or I'm sorry, a piece of land just as you would any other piece of your private property. Oh, yep, pretty yeah. much. Both of you agreed that you would forcibly remove somebody from the property if you didn't want them there. Yeah, I would, I, I would use if the minimum, person wouldn't leave. minimum amount of force necessary right, yeah. in order to do such a thing. But I think that, sure, the, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, now we're sort of getting into the area of geo-libertarianism, and, and I think that some of, the, uh, some of those ideas came to be because in the old world where geo-libertarianism came up, you're talking about England and France and Germany and things like that. Most all the land at that time at one time was owned by nobles. And we just uh, we the serfs were just pieces. We're just features of that land. So they owned everything, including the people. And I can understand why those thoughts came about. However, that's not the way things came about here in America. And lots and lots of people own land all over the place now. Joe, any final thoughts? No, awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was a good discussion. Thanks for the call. I appreciate you bringing that up, and I agree. At 800-259-9231, and, and Mark and I, we don't agree fully on this, because, Mark, you say property rights all the way, in perpetuity, unless it's in a trust, and, well, you didn't no, really say that. You were just giving I'm just this saying, example. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just explaining that you can't just go set up on a piece, person's, a piece of person's land and expect that you're somehow in the right. You know, I think it's going to happen to people. I think it depends on circumstances. But you're not right. I think it depends on circumstances. Uh, So 800-259-9231. And the marketplace is best to respond to individual circumstances as opposed to a one-size-fits-all set of government strictures. Hour 2 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching in to the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Main feature of the site allows you to submit stuff to it. So all the items that you see in the main area of the front page of freetalklive.com, all created by listeners like you. So if it weren't for listeners like you, we'd have nothing on the front page of our website. So thanks to everybody who's gone over there to participate. It's now even easier with the brand new Free Talk Live bookmarklet, uh, which allows you to easily submit stuff from all across the Internet to our website. You can get details over at freetalklive.com. 
com about that. Uh, but the process is pretty simple. You just submit something that you think is is pretty neat. Other listeners vote it up or down. And the most voted up make it to the front page of the site, meaning more people will see it and we might uh, talk about it on the air. So head over to freetalklive.com. Now, Mark, last hour we had Joe on in South Carolina yeah. who called in with uh, what I thought was a good question, uh, a couple good questions about property rights and ownership of land and can it be abandoned and under what circumstances and you know what is really property anyway and i i of course suggested that the answer what what is property well to me it's just an idea and it's a useful idea and one that has proven itself uh, useful over time i think abolishing the idea of property is ludicrous and insane and against uh, human dignity and uh, against human nature but I also I also understand where Joe is coming from with his suggestion that perhaps if there is a uh, large plot of land that appears to be unused and hasn't been for a long time, I think that there's something to be said for the marketplace coming up with some sort of level of agreement on abandonment. And I don't know what that would entail, uh, but uh, I, I think that that it makes sense. You know, I I understand where you're coming from on this, and you know, I think there are arguments to be made from the standpoint that if you believe that property is somehow this un this uh, landed property, real estate is somehow this uh, legitimate unending. Um, you know, because I have a deed, and that deed was given to me from somebody else, to who was given it by somebody else, and who and who was given it by somebody mm-hmm. else, that somehow that makes it legitimate. I think is wrong. Um, I think that you know, land that that the idea of property is is founded upon you owning yourself, you owning your labor, and you mixing that labor with um, other things in order to be able to make stuff that other people want or that you own. You own it, and other people may or may not want it. So I get that my land once at one point was uh, owned by some Abernaki Indians in some way or another, and the people that got it from them didn't really buy it from them legitimately. Mm-hmm. They killed a lot of them in order to get what they wanted, and that's not fair, and it's not legitimate. But I think you have to take that application. You have to apply that to lots of different things in the world that have been around for a long time. The gold that people wear as jewelry and trade as coins and things like that, a lot of that stuff has been around for a very long time. I mean, you read the Bible, and that that document is at least portions of it, uh, you know, 3,000 years old. Mm -hmm. Some of that gold's been around that long. So that gold's been stolen. It's been traded hand-to-hand. It doesn't have any uh, distinguishable... You know, line of uh, of of ownership. You can't read any documents. But th- would you claim that that gold didn't belong to me? Uh, no. So, uh, but if I left that gold unattended, you'd say that somebody's liable to pick it up and and take it, right? Well, as you were saying, it is your responsibility to protect the things that right. you own. And it's I, not to say it's justif- they're justified in taking it. I'm not. To, that's kind of my point that. on this is that is, you know if you if you leave something completely unattended, at some point or another, somebody is going to come and pick it up and and uh, do something with it because they may not have any idea that it's anybody's. Oh, it, look at this! Someone left a pile of gold here. Right. Oh. I don't think that works as well with land because everybody sort of understands that all land is owned. And here's my point: is except the government land. Right. And, and well, for one, I think that there's no uh, when you're talking about unused government land, I've got no problem with people homesteading on that. They paid their taxes. They should be able to homestead on government land as far as I'm concerned. When you're talking about Alaska, the vast majority of it owned by the government. As far as I'm concerned, you should be able to go up there and homestead on that land and it should be yours. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to win. I don't think that a court's going to side with you. However, I think that that's right and legitimate. But when we come to the day when uh, we're ready to move past the idea of coercive governments, uh, and when I say we, I mean more than just 
uh, some of the people that call this show and are on the show. Uh, but uh, when when humankind or a, a, a significant amount of people are ready to move past that idea, then I think the homesteading of government land is an appropriate uh, transfer solution, as opposed to having some government bureaucrat decide whom uh, to sell it or to whom to sell it. I think that just opening it up and saying, all right, come and get it. I think that uh, the ideas of how to transition from a coercive government to a you know a free a more free market system are going to be the most important things that we can come up with, and I. Think think that you know the, the idea of homesteadings uh, bidding uh, those that that money that's uh, done in the auction uh, that's made in the auction there should be given to say uh, veterans uh, of wars uh, people for government workers for their pensions social security all those kind of people should be able to get their their piece that they paid in for if that's possible however when you're talking about a bankrupt entity you're still just talking about creditors hoping to get pennies on the dollar um, but when you, you look at, say, Antarctica, nobody's going to really dispute with you if you go find the warmest spot you can find on Antarctica and build yourself a little uh, homestead. I mean, maybe some scientists some, somewhere that, uh, you know, they might they might try to get their their government. I believe Ar- Argentina claims uh, a good por- a small portion of Anar- Antarctica. But well, that, right. Well, that gets you back to the dis- the discussion of how to homestead a, a piece of property. You were talking about mixing labor with something in order to call it legitimately your own. How much labor and in, and in what fashion is, is going to Antarctica or the moon and plopping down uh, a little f- flag, the Edgington flag? I, Mark Edgington, have cl- declared this uh, my Edgingtonia and I own all that the eye can see. Well, I'll I get to putting up the fence later. <laughs> I think you're, uh, you know, it gets difficult and it's just sort of what's accepted when you're talking about homesteading and this is going to be an issue when you get to other planets fortunately we don't have to deal with this one uh today so i, I think it's i think it's uh it's a broad question so if i go out there and i begin homesteading well i'm, I'm starting a tree farm and there's trees all over you know i don't have to do anything to uh to create this tree farm i just have a big tree farm mm-hmm. and i've drawn on a map where my tree farm is and it's big <laughs> you yeah. know so uh, you know it's it uh, i'm i'm mining the moon's surface for moon rocks and stuff people will pay a fortune for that they love it. Yeah, it, it these are these are difficult questions to answer but i think that uh you know once somebody does claim it that person is going to split it up and over time, you can look, you can see the the feudal system in Europe still breaking down currently, and you can see how people who own large swaths of land, their families become because they don't know any longer how to provide some good or service to the to society or steal it like the the lords and and kings did in the past. They have to sell off what is theirs in order to continue their lifestyle. And at some point, they're selling off castles and they're selling off huge swaths of land, mm-hmm. and then they they return to the sort of equilibrium. That's the really great thing about the marketplace is it has an extraordinarily fair way of returning to equilibrium. It takes a while, and sometimes people want to use. The the force of government in order to make things move faster. Right. So, uh, so you agree with me that the idea that you just plop a flag into a plot of land that has supposedly been undiscovered, at least by your knowledge, uh, you don't know who'd been there before. There's no uh, way to go and look up a record uh, for this uh, this plot of land that you know of, this Antarctica, if you will. Uh, plotting a you know shoving a flag uh, on that piece of land and then calling it yours would seem pretty ludicrous, right? I think so, it makes it. I think it makes it for, for a tough scenario. Like, what if what my claim is for the land is 
I want to leave this stuff undisturbed. That's hugely important to a lot of people, and it's a legitimate yeah. loose use of use, land. Yeah. Um, so that's what the Nature Conservancy does, right? And Ducks Unlimited, uh, did, you know, yeah. they, they basically they leave it undisturbed so that the hunters can come in. There may be a small amount of uh, improvement, but largely undisturbed so the hunters can go out and blow the heads off of little forest creatures or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they do. And um, you know, so that that's legitimate. And so, what if I want to go take a huge swath of Antarctica and save it for the penguins? How big? I mean, can I just go claim the whole thing? Well, somebody then then you need a dispute resolution organization in order to come up with it because somebody yeah, else is going to do I, the same thing, right? And that's where having these arbitration uh, organizations that again the idea with arbitration would be it would replace the one size fits all government courts would then be able to take every situation into account. And they'd be able to look at it based on, you know, what has happened in the past and, and what the the current kind of situ- uh, rulings have been and, and what generally has been agreed upon in the marketplace and kind of make a decision based on that as to whether or not these claims are, are legitimate. And I think that's the, really the best answer, even though it's not a real specific one. 800-259-9231. Let the market decide. Free Talk Live. Hello, my friends, and welcome to a 30-second edition of Verbal Surgery. I'm your verbal surgeon, Tim A. Cummins, here to radiate your brain for maximum gain, baby. Take a deep breath and just remember that you are a terrific person, a person of great value. And every time you listen to this and this program alone, you're getting smarter and even better looking. And you'll remember to listen to VerbalSurgery.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. We invite you to our website where we've got a bulletin board system, archives, the wiki, and more. We give it all away. So enjoy it for free at freetalklive.com. Do you want to know how to give your baby a head start? You can teach your baby to read beginning as early as three months old. It's easy and fun to do with Monkey See, Monkey Do Baby Reading Kit. The best part is it's uh, risk-free since they offer a one-year money-back guarantee. This uh, we, we started this program quite some time ago with my son, and, and he thinks it's great. He often asks for it. Uh, just, you know, monkey, monkey see, monkey see, and he wants to see the videos. And, it, you know, it's worked for him. He can, re- he can read uh, his shapes and his colors, and you can go see a video, in fact, of, him, of my son reading at babyreadingkit.com. Check it out there at babyreadingkit.com. All right. So uh, we'll change gears here and uh, talk about customs. Talk about the intrusive questions that they like to ask people. Mark, you're smiling. Uh, I had the same show this. prep up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's from a blog called knifetricks.blogspot.com. I found this on the front page of the website over at freetalklive.com. So thanks to whoever uh, submitted that. And there's actually two uh, blog posts of relevance here. One of them is about his uh, his blog. And this was actually back in April when he made this first post. And then he made an updated post about uh, the, the first post just a few days ago. And it's about his experience being detained by the feds for not answering questions. So according to him, 
I was detained last night by federal authorities at San Francisco International Airport for refusing to answer questions about why I had traveled outside the United States. Yeah, you're going to get detained in, uh, if you use this guy's uh, advice here. You can expect yourself a nice long way to customs. The end result is that after waiting for about a half an hour and re- uh, refusing to answer further questions, half an hour, it could be worse... Uh, because I've flown through customs most times. You, you give them answers to your questions and you go on. There are certainly a few notable, notable exceptions when people have a lot of trouble. says, I was released because U.S. citizens who have produced proof of citizenship and a written customs declaration are not obligated to answer questions. Why were you in China? Asked the passport control officer, a woman with the appearance and disposition of a prison matron. <laughs> None of your business, I said. <laughs> Her eyes widened in disbelief. Yeah. Excuse me? She asked. I said, I'm not going to be interrogated as a precondition of re-entering my own country. And this didn't go over well. No, I imagine it didn't. She asked a series of questions such as how long I'd been in China, whether I was there on personal business or commercial business, etc. I stood silently. She said that her questions were mandated by Congress and that I should complain to Congress instead of refusing to cooperate with her. Oh, but, yeah, how is it that Congress uh, created an obligation upon him to answer her questions? Well, she asked me to take one of my small bags off her counter, and I complied. She picked up the phone and told someone I was refusing to cooperate at all. This was incorrect. I'd presented her with a proof of citizenship, a U.S. passport. But the fact is, if you if you have the smallest amount of uh, non-cooperation, you're not cooperating as all, at yeah. all as far as they're concerned. And that's why she was so shocked. Uh, that's why yeah. her eyes widened disbelief, and uh, she was uh, just incredibly surprised by this is because it's not you it's not typical that one of the little serfs uh one of the subjects will actually stand up for their rights uh will actually remain silent when they should when they could uh, because it's it's usually easier to go along to get along and most people aren't willing to take any kind of risks so she reports to her superiors as such and then uh, he says, that's incorrect. I'd given her my passport and had moved the bag even when she asked. What I was refusing to do was answer her questions. A male customs and border protection officer appeared to escort me to secondary. He tried the good cop routine, cajoling me to just answer a few questions so that I could be on my way. I repeated that I refused to be interrogated as a precondition of re-entering my own country. Am I free to go? I asked. Good question to remember that. Yeah. Am I being detained? That's a mm-hmm. legal state. No, he said. The officer asked for state-issued ID. I gave him my California identification card. I probably didn't have to, but giving him the ID was in line with my principle that I will comply with an officer's reasonable physical requests. Stand here, go there, hand over this. But I will not a- answer questions about my business abroad. The officer led me into a waiting room with about 30 chairs. Six other people were waiting. I'd like to just interrupt, though, for a moment. Remember that video, uh, Mark? We played the audio track from it of the guy who pulls into the checkpoint uh, down south. He goes into a Border Patrol checkpoint. Now, this isn't at the border. It's one of the internal uh, checkpoints that they have set up. And they keep trying to get him to pull into secondary. And he won't do it. Do you remember that one? I'm trying to remember. No. It's a it's an encounter that lasts about two minutes. I think it's one of the fresher videos over at Checkpoint USA. So okay. if you want to go to CheckpointUSA.org. He just keeps asking, am I being detained? Yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit more to it. But yeah, essentially, he just refuses to uh, to obey that. And, you know, no, I, I don't want to go over there. Am I, am I free to go? 
and he didn't go, and they let him go, and so he did not go into secondary. That doesn't mean you don't have to. It's just what happened to one guy, right? He didn't have to, right? I mean, because they could have forced him to go there, couldn't they? It, it really they could just have depends pulled on all these the people's mood and what, what they That's think true. is their le- legal backing. Maybe you're right about that. You know, if they whatever... didn't beat him, and they could have beaten him, as they've done in the past. Right. There's the evidence of the, uh, the, the pastor there in Arizona who was at one of these roving checkpoints that, you know, he just said, no, I'm not going to let you look in my trunk. No, I'm not getting out of my vehicle. And they broke the window and tased this guy on the ground, beat him, beat him down. The officer led me into a waiting room. All I'm suggesting is maybe you don't have to go. Maybe this, you don't. These places. Uh, of course, then again, like you say, if you, if you don't, there could be risks involved. And there are always risks when you stand up for yourself in the face of these unaccountable uh, government bureaucrats who can pretty much get away with well whatever they want. So he, I was led into a waiting room with about 30 chairs. Six other people were waiting, says the blogger. Uh, the other officer, or the officer then changed tack to bad cop. Let this guy sit it, or sit until he cools down, the officer loudly said to a colleague. Could be two, three, four hours. He's going to sit there till he cools down. I asked to speak to his superior and was told to wait. I read a book about Chinese celebrities for about 15 minutes. An older, rougher officer came out and called my name. We've had problems with you refusing to answer questions before, he said. You think there's some law that says you don't have to answer our questions. I asked, are you denying me re-entrance to my own country? Yes, he said and walked away. I read for about five more minutes. Now, this could really intimidate somebody. I mean, this could really... If you didn't know who you were dealing with... One of the problems with this is you're going to have a very difficult time using a video camera in this instance. Yeah. Because getting this... uh, Audio recording device could be possible. Getting this bureaucrat on audio saying that, yes, I'm refusing you entrance into your own country. Right. When there's a Supreme Court ruling that says that they can't do such a thing. uh, You know, I I don't know how that's going to go for you. An officer walked out with my passport and ID and handed them to me. Am I free to go? I asked. Yes, he said. But we weren't done. I picked up my checked bag and was told to speak to a customs officer. My written declaration form had been marked with a large cross-hatched symbol that probably meant secondary inspection of bags. The officer asked if the bags were mine, and I handed him my baggage receipt. He asked if I'd packed the bags myself. I said I declined to answer the question. He asked again, and I made the same reply. Same question, same response. Again. Again, I need to give I need you to give me an oral customs declaration. He said, I gave you a written declaration. I said more coming up here on uh, what happened with this guy. He's a hero. He's great. More coming up. 800-259-9231. You are welcome to tell your customs or TSA experience. If you'd like to tie into this discussion or bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free number is 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. Live, you can bring up whatever you want. Dial in, take control of the airwaves, 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. 
and enjoy the features there for free. So uh, head on over and uh, enjoy stuff like our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they're listeners of the program. Uh, See what I mean? Uh, Shrine.freetalklive.com. In fact, we just added three new Shriners today. The ladies from She Talk Live uh, took a photo last night. Stephanie was talking about how she's been listening to the show for six years, and she'd never gotten around to sending a shrine picture in. So what better opportunity than when she's here in the in the studio? So Carla and Stephanie and Meg are now part of the shrine as She Talk Live. They're under the amplifier section over at shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see that. I think it's a pretty good picture. It was a cell phone picture, but they're smiling real nice. So head over there and uh, take a look. And lady, Listeners, you can become part of the Shrine. Uh, there are instructions there at shrine.freetalklive.com to assist you in doing that. Uh, Mark, tell me about SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a, a, a big sponsor of Free Talk Live, has been for a very long time. It's because the principal over there, Jason Osborne, is a huge supporter of Liberty. He's been listening to Free Talk Live for years now, and um, he has a collections company. Well, I, I guess they do collections, early out billing. They ch- purchase charged-off receivables. They have a phone banking system that would uh, allow you to do pretty much any kind of mass uh, uh, telephone calls to uh, people that aren't on the uh, do-not-call list out there, whether they're political campaigns or whatever reasons you might come up with. It's uh, SACL CAI, and you can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, so we're going to continue here a blog post from knifetricks.blogspot.com. It was linked to over at, uh, I think it was at freetalklive.com where I found this. And it's by a guy who is willing to stand up for his, uh, his right to remain silent. And he is coming back from a trip to China and is being interrogated by the uh, the government bureaucrats that are running the customs division at San Francisco International Airport. He's refusing to answer their questions. Uh, he just wants to come back home, and he doesn't feel like he'd ha- he has to be interrogated in order to come back to his home country. Yeah, and I, I don't know that this is going to solve anything. Um, I think that uh, m- many people agree that... You know, uh, the, the countries have to, to run their borders in order to, uh, you know, keep bad guys in and, and all that kind of thing. But I think that you do now and it, that, that, that the people that stand up and say, you know, what, on what legal basis do you do this? Uh, are heroes. I think that it's I think it's important for Americans to uh, to question their government and, uh, you know, hold them accountable. Well, you said you don't know if this is going to solve anything, maybe not an individual occurrence. Uh, him just doing this on his own without anybody else joining in is certainly not going to change anything. But for him personally, it's it could be an empowering thing to refuse sure. to uh, to refuse to obey, to refuse to answer their questions, to to uh, to stand silently. In this case, he was doing some of the things that they asked, like he gave them a passport to show that he was supposedly a citizen. Uh, so he wasn't completely non-cooperating. He just wasn't answering their questions. So I think that there's a personal benefit uh, that comes from from taking that that sort of stand, that position. And if more people were to do as, as he does, then Something could change. I mean, the government bureaucrats would realize, huh, we can't push these people any further than uh, than we push them. But, of course, it's very unlikely that very many people are going to come on board and, and join this guy's protest. Right. I think that there's, you know, I, I'm for civil disobedience when civil disobedience is is, form, is used in a, in a wise fashion. And I think that this guy just asking questions just to find out what some of the answers are, I don't think that's terrible. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he certainly created a lot of animosity uh, in his blog. There's 300 posts and, and a good half of them are calling him uh, a, a douchebag, I believe is uh, the terminology that oh, he yeah, used. Oh, yeah. Anytime. 
anytime you don't go along with whatever the police, whatever arbitrary demands the police have, the people that worship the police state will call you out as somebody who's evil and a terrorist or douchebag or whatever. Yeah, they'll, they'll say be. whatever. So uh, we're actually almost to the end of his story, but then we're going to get his reflections from about six months uh, later. And he's uh, talking about how they're, they're trying to get him to give him something. They're trying to get him to reveal something with words. Uh, they asked him for, uh, a, I guess, a, an oral customs declaration, and he had provided them with a written declaration. I guess this is something that happens when you come back from overseas. I've never, I can't really never traveled by air overseas. So it's I, been I a long know. time for me. Uh, so they had given him this secondary inspection. He, uh, the government bureaucrat asked if I had packed the bags myself. I said I declined to answer the question. He asked again. I gave the same reply. Same question, same response again and again. He said, I need you to give me an oral customs declaration. I said, I gave you a written declaration. You'd think that that was better. I mean, yeah. it's kind of silly to get both the written and the oral. He said, I need to know if you want to amend that written declaration. I need to know if there's anything undeclared in these bags. I stood silently. Visibly frustrated, he turned to a superior who had been watching and said that I refused to answer his questions. The senior officer said, just inspect his bags. He has a right to remain silent. Finally, says the blogger, it took half an hour and five federal officers before one of them acknowledged that I had a right to not answer their questions. The junior officer inspected my bags in some detail, found nothing of interest, and told me to leave. So he's uh, got a couple of takeaways from this. Number one, cops really don't like it when you refuse to answer their questions. Agreed. The passport officer was aghast when I told her that my visit to China was none of her business. <laughs> she absolutely was. This must not happen often because several of the officers involved seemed thrown by my refusal to meekly bend to their whim. Number two, they're keeping records. I'll tell records. you that nobody, you know, uh, there, there is no officer that gets, uh, that, that their will is more um, uh, law than a customs officer. Because people are outside their element. They're coming. They're returning from a long trip. Mm-hmm. This is all they want to do more than anything in the world is get home. And, you know. Who uh, wants to sit in the office for a half nobody, an hour. They're not dealing with belligerent drunks. They're not dealing with a criminal element. They're dealing with your average citizen who will do anything to get out of the 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 evil eye of the state and so i think it's absolutely true customs agents are the uh you know they they're just used to people doing whatever it is they say number two they're keeping records a federal computer searchable file exists on my refusal to answer questions because they had referenced that you know they knew that he'd done this before they knew it yeah number three this is about power not security The CPB goons want U.S. citizens to answer their questions as a ritualistic bow to their power. Well, CPB has no power over me. I'm a law-abiding citizen, and as such, I am the master, and the federal cops are my servants. They should do well to remember that. Well, yeah, it's a nice fantasy. Uh, You're not really their master. It's just kind of a nice idea, the idea that you're somehow in charge of them and they're your servants. I mean, that's how they masquerade in some cases, but there's no real evidence that, that that's the case. They're, they're, he's right in what he's done. I'm not critiquing him in what he's done, but the idea that these people are somehow subservient to you is, is pretty absurd. Well, it's 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 what we're told, right? It's yeah. like the, it's it's the idea behind it, but right. it, it you know the the fact is that there's really not much evidence for the idea. Right? Uh, who cuts their paychecks? It's not you. You're you're not really in charge. They just they're just letting you go because they don't have anything else to to back them up. They're just blustering at you essentially. They're puffing themselves up and acting as though you know they've they've got all this authority and they're just 
people are just essentially granting it to them by going along with the, the program. Sure. I mean, the, the guy who's uh, taking your school money on the way to school or your lunch money on the way to school, I mean, does he have the authority to do so? No, he doesn't. But if everybody keeps giving their school, their lunch money to him, at some point or another, he's going to feel like he does. Number four, U.S. citizens have no obligation to answer questions. Ultimately, the cops let me go because there was nothing they could do. A returning U.S. citizen has an obligation to provide proof of citizenship, and the officer has legitimate reasons to claim... Uh, to investigate if she suspects the veracity of the citizenship claim, a U.S. citizen returning with goods also has an obligation to complete a written customs declaration. But that's it. You don't have to answer any questions about where you went, why you went, who you saw, etc. Of course, if you don't, you'll get hassled. But that's a small price to pay to remind these thugs that their powers are limited and restricted. And I think it's important to remind you, the listener, that there are no citizens uh, because it's just another idea that they use to control you. Uh, the idea of a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. And since these men and women calling themselves government have no obligation to protect you, the Supreme Court has ruled it over and over again. Go and search for no obligation to protect and you'll find court case after court case. Since they have no obligation to protect you, you couldn't possibly have an obligation to obey them, right? You couldn't have a duty, a duty to, uh, to do what they say. Whenever they say jump, you're supposed to jump? No, they don't have any obligation to you, so there's no citizen. More coming up here. You take control. Free Talk Live. In 2010, you were fighting for your rights. In 2019, we are fighting for our lives. The last illusions of economic stability have shattered, revealing the financial dystopia that lies beneath the surface. The Federal Reserve has run out of lies and out of time. Those who stand for liberty will right their wrongs or die trying. Get involved with the epic animated feature-length film, Silver Circle, at silvercirclemovie.com. Just remember, when they control the money, they control everything. Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free and bring up whatever is on your mind. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there for free. Got a lot of stuff. And if you like the fact that we give you the website free, the archives, live streams, the webcam, all that... If you like that, well, then you can voluntarily support the show by becoming an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. And uh, some of the money also goes to benefit uh, the LRN.FM family of uh, shows and helping get them on more uh, listen into more listeners ears as well. So go and become a Free Talk Live LRN.FM amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com you get perks like access to the amp only call in lines the amp only forum and podcast and more go get the details get signed up with any major credit card paypal or some alternative options at amp.freetalklive.com so going to continue here uh knife tricks blog the knife tricks.blogspot.com it's uh, at least one of his blogs is about his refusal to uh, to answer questions when he was coming back in from a trip to China, refusal to answer the bureaucrats who was working for Customs and Border Protection or whatever CBP I think is what it was. Yeah, Customs and Border Protection uh, officers were trying to ask him questions, and he is, stood on his assertion that you don't have the right, I don't have to answer your questions. You've got my passport. That shows that I'm a so-called citizen. Got the declaration. You've got the declaration of the bags that I'm bringing back. Written. That's it. 
And so they, they tried to intimidate him. They put him in another room. They held him there for a while. They said intimidating things to him about, oh, you're going to have to sit here for four hours, buddy. You know, and, and it ended up being about a half an hour of his time. Uh, and you might say to yourself, well, why would you want to waste all that time? Well, it's because of principle. It's because this guy has if a, f- a half an I don't consider a half an hour to be that much time, but I can tell you that uh, it, there's no guarantee. It's just a half an hour. That's true. It could be, it could be a day. They might lock you in a cell. You never know what's, what's going to happen. And, of course, if they do stuff like that to you, even if you may be correct in your assertion that they can't do these things, good luck then. You've got to find a lawyer who's willing to take the case and, and so on and so forth. So it's not an easy road uh, to, to being an activist. Well, but. you know, and most people return to the country through some major ports of call, San Francisco, mm-hmm. LAX, New York, uh, Miami, places like that. And if you don't happen to be using that particular airport, then you likely have a connecting flight. So You miss your flight. They, they know this information. Well, yeah. You know, when it's, it's, it's right in their computer. What do you think they're going to do to teach you a little lesson? Mm-hmm. If I'm flying back to, to to Manchester Airport in New Hampshire, but I've come in through uh, JFK yeah. in New York, they can really ruin my day. Yep, you make a good point about that. I mean, they they certainly do have control. They do have power. And the idea that you somehow are in control of them is is a little illusory. However, I think there's benefits to standing up for yourself. And this guy felt like he was going to do that and has done it before. And I say right on to him. Now, he posted his blog about his experience back in April of this year. He has just a few days ago at knifetricks.blogspot.com posted an update. He received over 700 comments on his original blog post in regards to his refusal to answer the questions, and he wanted to address uh, some of those comments. And I thought it was important to share his reflections on what people have said and and what he did. So he says, my post to... uh, He's posting from Thailand, I guess. My post about refusing to answer questions from Customs and Border Protections officers when re-entering the U.S. has resulted in a lot of debate. My thanks to everyone who joined the conversation, including the authors of the more than 100 posts that called me a douchebag. Let me... Let me address the major points raised, although there are multiple issues, such as the fine distinction between CPB's immigration powers and its customs powers, that I need to truncate or elide to keep this response from becoming a law review article. He says, I'm, by the way, I'm blown away by the hubbub. In the last three days, this blog has received more than 75,000 hits. The original post currently has 175 comments and so on and so forth. He talks about how popular it is. Number one, here are his uh, observations and thoughts. A U.S. citizen cannot be denied re-entry to her own country. A federal judge in Puerto Rico, territory sensitive to the rights and privileges of its residents' U.S. citizenship, said it best. Quote, the only absolute and unqualified right of citizenship is to residence within the territorial boundaries of the United States. A citizen cannot be either deported or denied reentry. And this is one of the reasons why they have... uh, at the borders, uh, northern and southern borders of this country, they have this new policy that says you have to have a passport in order to get back into the country. So for a while, they were advertising this, and now it has come into effect. As I as I recall, if you yeah. recall the news correctly, that it has come into effect. But it's essentially... It's a lie. It's, yeah, it's, it's right. It's a lie. I mean, they're just <laughs> positioning, they're posturing themselves. I mean, they we've had a caller uh, who's called this show to say that he has no ID, uh, or maybe it was that he has a – was he has no ID or he just has a driver's license? Anyway, he doesn't have a passport. And so when he comes back in on foot, by the way, he'll co- cross the border on foot at a border checkpoint station. They'll stop him. They'll demand his passport. He won't have it. They'll delay him. They'll hold him for a while while they lecture him about not having a passport. Right, the lectures are getting longer. Yeah, and then they let him go. 
So it's a bluff. But he, he doesn't do it, and uh, as I've heard, he's not doing it uh, in the sense that he's he's telling them that hey, this is my right or anything like that. He's just acting like a guy who doesn't have a passport and isn't going to get one. It isn't getting one. So, so he looks to them like just somebody who's not following the rules quite well enough. So while some commenters worried or advocated that a citizen who refused to answer the customs protections would be denied reentry to the United States, the U.S. government doesn't have the power to prevent a citizen's reentry. Number two, the right to silence is golden. This is principally about the right to silence. Now, the customs officers are law enforcement who can detain you, arrest you, and testify against you in criminal court. You place yourself in jeopardy every time you speak to them about anything. CPB officers are not your friends. CPB officers treat uh, treat returning U.S. citizens as potential criminal defendants. You should likewise treat them as if they were corrupt cops on a power trip, targeting you to goose their arrest statistics. The best way to protect yourself against their depredations is to refuse to speak to them or to answer their questions. Good advice. Number three, any misstatement to a federal officer can result in your arrest. If a federal officer claims you lied to him, you can be arrested and charged with the crime of making false statements. So that could have been one of the things they were trying to do when asking him about what was in his bag. Well, we need you to tell us orally, they said. He said, well, I gave you a written declaration. Well, we need you to tell us orally. Is there anything in here that you haven't declared or whatever? Maybe trying to trick him into saying that there's nothing in there and then finding out that there was something in there or planning something in there and saying, Baha! You told us that uh, there was nothing in here arrest that man that's a felony charge of lying to a federal officer well you um if that happened if that was happening it was only because he had refused to answer the questions previously likely if you answer all their questions you're going to be like the hundreds of thousands of people uh if not millions of people who pass through every year unmolested lightly molested by the uh, customs and border patrol agents yeah, and you will be one of the sheep that is enabling their uh, their tyranny. Right, and and I th- this is uh, you know this is where and, and I'm I'm interested in this this post, but I don't think that this is the point. Right, for every one of them that's out there hacking at the branches, there's one who's striking at the root. Right, mm-hmm. this guy nowhere near the root. He's trimming the edges off of a leaf somewhere. Yeah, I see what you're. I see what you're saying, but I think there's uh, something that's important about the personal empowerment that refusing to cooperate. Uh, I think can the give best somebody. part about it is it makes great radio. Uh, well, I think it's I think it's good because it's good information and it's yeah, a, it's, it's a personal it's, it's story. It's a personal story about somebody who did stand up and and refused to go along. Uh, Carla was on the show last night uh, on She Talk Live on our Sunday edition. Uh, she was on the show talking about how. Uh, at a local courtroom uh, when the liberty activists were coming to a local court trial she looked around as the judge uh, walked in and they they utter all rise and of course a lot of the folks from the keen area refused to stand up for these robed uh robed tyrants and so uh we don't stand she looked around as she was kind of standing up and she saw all these other activists who were remaining seated and she said that after that point uh, every other time it happened, because whenever they leave the room, they also do the all rise thing. So after that point, she did not stand up. So the fact that other people didn't go along with it encouraged her to also not go along with it. It allowed her to find the courage within herself to uh, to not obey. And, of course, the fact that we weren't attacked for it uh, helped her find that uh, that courage. But nonetheless, if people don't stand up and show the way, if people don't stand up and take that risk then how will anybody ever be encouraged to do anything against these people or in favor of their rights? So we continue with his uh, thoughts. Number three, any misstatement to a federal officer can result in your arrest. 
If a uh, federal officer, as he points out, uh, you can be charged with making false statements. You don't have to make the statements under oath in order to be charged with this. It can just be you talking right. to a cop. Right. You you have sort of a uh, – this is just something they made up. I mean, it doesn't make really much sense. You have a right to tell lies in your in your everyday life. But somehow, now when you're talking to a government bureaucrat, you don't have the right to tell lies anymore. The government bureaucrat can tell whatever lies they want That's to right. you in order to get whatever information they want to They're get out of you. They're trained to lie to you. Indeed. Um, so this hey, is, your buddy just gave you up. You better tell us all now. Officer, I was telling you a lie in order to get, see if see whether or not you were, in fact, telling a lie in the, in the course of your duty so that I could bring you up on charges. I mean, the fact is we're supposed to be able to do that. All right, there's more coming up here. We'll get into the idea of remaining silent in hour number three at 800-259-9231, and you can take control of the airwaves. Okay, here's the long and the short of it. If you name the worst politicians in America today, Nancy Pelosi is going to be on your top ten list. She's awful, and she's powerful. There is a principled anti-war Republican running against her, however, and his name is John Dennis. He's already beaten the establishment Republican in the primary, but he's going to need all of the financing he can get to bring down the political juggernaut that is Nancy Pelosi. He can do it, but only with your help. I've donated to John Dennis's campaign, and I would like to encourage you to also. Now is the time. Nancy Pelosi is politically vulnerable, and it's unlikely that we're going to get another candidate like John Dennis. He's the only type of Republican that can win in San Francisco. In my opinion, he is as, if not more, principled than Ron Paul. Go to johndennis2010.com and donate today. johndennis2010.com. He is Hope for America. This ad paid for by John Dennis for Congress 2010. JohnDennis2010.com. I'm John Dennis, and I approve this ad. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever is on your mind. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free. The main feature of the site allows you to influence the stuff we'll talk about on the air. Just submit different things that you find of interest across the web. Our listeners will then vote up or down on your submissions, and you can vote up and down, too, on other people's. And then the most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of our website. Many more people will see them, and we might um, be more likely to talk about them. So The voted down ones drift off into Internet obscurity. I suppose they do. Uh, so head on over, get interactive over at freetalklive.com. As we're going to continue a discussion, for those of you just tuning in, last hour we told a story, and I found this over at freetalklive.com. We told a story about a man who came back from a trip to China. And what was he doing in China? Well, he said it's none of your business to the the U.S. Customs bureaucrats that were interrogating him uh, upon his return. He had brought the passport, as he is supposed to do. He had uh, provided them with a written declaration in regards to what was in his bags. And they wanted to barrage him with questions, and he did not want to answer any of them, which upset them. They then uh, moved him into a room, into secondary, and they sat him down on a chair for a while, and they tried to sweat him out. They tried to to uh, to psych him out by telling him that uh, you, you could be here for you know three, four hours. You you better start talking. 
And actually, they ended up only holding him for a half an hour. But they were attempting to intimidate him, and they uh, and he he didn't give them any information. He didn't answer their questions, and he's reflecting on his observations. He posted a blog post about what happened about five months ago, and there have since been 700 comments uh, that have been posted. Of course, a lot of people calling him a douchebag because anybody who worships the police state, uh, the, well, the police and the customs can do no wrong. It doesn't matter what they do or what questions they ask or how invasive they are. Anybody who stands up for their rights is a, is automatically a douchebag. And so he's responding to some of those people and some of the legitimate concerns or more legitimate concerns that some people might have had, as well as more observations looking back at uh, at what he did. And so one of the things that he points out here is that uh, first of all he says you cannot be de- if you're a so-called US citizen you cannot be denied re-entry to your own country uh, the right to silence is golden that's a federal court ruling yeah the more you speak to these people the more likely they are to come up with some reason to arrest you so keep your mouth shut and he points out that any misstatement to a federal officer can result in your arrest there is i believe it's a felony charge of essentially lying to a federal officer. Now, I don't know in how many states a similar charge exists for state officers or local cops. I don't know. I've never heard of those laws before. So this may only apply when it comes to the feds. But in general, it's not a good idea to talk to these people because they aren't your friends. Unless you called them to your house because your kid's missing or something like that, in any other situation where they're contacting you, where they're trying to uh, to get information out of you, they may be looking for a reason to put you in handcuffs. Well, when you're dealing with these uh, Customs and Border Patrol folks, they are usually dealing with a line of people, um, and you are not on their radar in generally until you po- pop your head up. And, uh, you know, so... <sighs> I, I hesitate to suggest that this is a good idea unless you're looking to not talk to the cops, to not talk to the border custom and border patrols, because oh, okay. they just want because they want the same thing you want is to speed you through as quickly as as, as possible. Yes. If they get a hair up their uh, rear end for you, you're going to have a very bad day. It's it's absolutely true. Chances are very good, though, that they're going to see hundreds of people in one day. And the reason that they go after you, it's, it's unlikely. If you want to do some kind of protest, by all means, protest away. Do your civil disobedience. Don't expect things to go particularly well for you. The, and so he's referring to the statute that uh, is regarding the federal officers lying to a federal officer. He says the statute, which is referred to as Section 1001, and then he links to it, is the reason why Martha Stewart has a, br- a Bureau of Prisons number. The only way to immunize yourself against false statements, the false statements charge, is if you refuse to speak to federal officers. Wait, you ask, what about telling the truth? Well, it doesn't work. If in the course of your conversation you misremember something or speak inarticulately, you can now be arrested. Innocent mistake? Prove it later in court after being jailed, charged, and tried, and paying for a lawyer. This is true and extraordinarily unlikely. Well, what if they don't like you, Mark, for some reason? What if they just decide to pick on you for the some reason, reason they don't like you? The reason that the Customs and Border Patrol most likely will not like you is because you have not been compliant. Maybe. I don't know, Mark. I'm not in Customs and Border Patrol, so I can't tell you what their agents are and what their biases, their personal biases might be. Maybe they don't like the way you look. 
Maybe they don't like the way you dress. Indeed. Maybe they don't like the color of your skin. It, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. it's, but they deal with a lot of people with a lot of different co- colors. And honestly, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, I've seen a great deal of variety in these people's skin color. Just, just saying, not very likely. The most likely reason that they're going to bring the hammer down, and I'd say this is in the 90th something percentile, is because you've said you've been disobedient to them. And that's all they want. That's what they want. That's what any law enforcement officer wants. They want they your want complete obedience. and utter compliance. They don't even want you to look at them like you do not want to be compliant because that will be constru- but, construed as disobedience. But the fact is, Mark, I mean, it sounds like you're advocating people just go along to get along. And I I'm understand telling you a, that, the, that the average person, uh, there's that, a place that an for amateur, that. should not try this. There's until. A, you have to. Well, how do you not be an amateur? I mean, you have to start at some point, right? So, but, but be prepared to start. That's what I'm saying. Understand that this isn't just some something that you you're going to walk up to the customer border patrol people and you're going to say, "I don't, I don't have any obligation to answer your questions," and they're just going to let you walk on your oh, merry no, little way. No, no, there's going to be problems. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking don't, about here. Right. The problems that he encountered when he when he stood up for himself, or when he stood up for himself. But you can't deny, Mark, that whether or not they are intending on picking on you, if you make a misstatement about what you had in your bag or you misremember something and they find that you have that item or you told them you didn't have X and you actually did have X, you've just committed a felony. So would you rather end up being detained for a half an hour or three hours and then being let go because you didn't speak or would you rather have a felony charge on your uh, on your rap sheet? I think that it's extraordinarily unlikely, even if you did commit the felony, that you would still have to deal with that felony charge. You think it's unlikely that they would charge you with a crime if you lied? To, if you uh, if you said something to them they considered a lie? Well, if what they considered a lie as opposed to a misstatement, right? They're going to see it as a lie. You said X. Now, you, they now you're found, proposing what they're You what said they're X. See. They found out why. Look, man, I, I'm telling you that people, they get that all day long. People saying, oh, yeah, well, I didn't know I had that in there. Never mind. I hope you're right about that, Mark, because you're talking like you know the situation. And that you've, how many you're times have you it. been through Custom and Border I'm Patrol? I'm not going to claim anything. I haven't. I've never been through it. I'm right. just saying you're, you're claiming talking that like they're you know going to give you a felony charge. So you are making that. They claim. could. I'm saying they could. Absolutely, they could. Right. Ian, they can do anything they want. They can That's disappear true. your ass at the border, and all the advice that you're giving is completely useless. Your head could be shipped off to Antarctica. Mm. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. But so, that seems a little less likely. This is just largely pointless activism. You think so, huh? Yeah, Why? I do. Because it doesn't really achieve anything. You mean what outside the, of your own person? Right. You know, you're going to have I fun. Think that, you're going to have fun. You're going to be able to write yeah. things on the internet. You're going to be able to educate people on the process and the legality behind it. And mm-hmm. I think that's of some value. But what's the point in getting a hundred or a thousand of people doing this? Uh, the point would be to show these government bureaucrats that people aren't going to just go along with the program. All they're going to do is figure out some way um, that they can, you know, that, that they that these people are in fact going to go along with the program. Well, that's a defeatist thing to say, Mark, and that's I understand why. You would, I understand why you would say that, but uh, you're you're basically arguing for obedience, and I, th- I find that I'm sad. arguing for obedience because it is going to be a, a, you'll live to fight another day for a better battle. Yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Look, I'm not saying that everybody should do this. 
I think there's a time for it, uh, and there's a time when there's when it when it doesn't work. And obviously, if you're on a connecting flight or you're going to be making a connecting flight, then you're putting um, even more at risk by playing this little uh, playing this little game with them. Uh, but if you want to stand up for yourself when it comes to the custom agents, I don't think there's anything wrong with that activism. I don't think there's anything wrong and with it. I don't think it's I don't think it's pointless either. I think that it makes a difference when you are standing up for yourself when you are refusing to obey these little tyrants. I think that makes a difference personally. It it creates uh, it, it helps you with the courageous and you know being a little more courageous in the future, taking a little little baby steps, a little bit of risks uh, here and there. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Juicy Juice, 100% juice, providing a full serving of fruit in every four ounces. Visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to nutrition, kids need both fruits and vegetables every day to stay healthy and grow. For the ideal mix, your kid should have at least one and a half cups of any veggie or 100% veggie juice and one cup of any fruit or 100% fruit juice a day. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash Your Family Today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. That's what we call it, Free Talk Live. You can also join us online and enjoy the news updates that we have. You can uh, get the latest on Free Talk Live whenever you need to know. You'll know it first. Uh, If you're on the news updates, let's go to news.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there for either our email updates or Twitter or Facebook or all of the above. Go to news.freetalklive.com and get signed up. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Whether you want a personal blog or complete e-commerce business website, you can let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. We've created that portal so that you can get your first month completely free if you use it hostgator.freetalklive.com. All right, so we actually have been talking about this issue of a guy over at knifetricks.blogspot.com who's blogging about his interaction with these customs bureaucrats coming back in from a trip to China wherein he refused to answer their questions. He gave them the paperwork that they were demanding, the passport to show that he's a so-called citizen and uh, also the written declaration regards to what he had in his bags and refused to answer any of uh, any of their oral questions. They detained him for a half an hour, tried to intimidate him and uh, the last segment's discussion basically revolved around whether or not this is worthwhile activism. Mark, you are firmly denying uh, that this is worthwhile for uh, for someone to do. I am. I saying think that, that it's, the article is very interesting. So the guy, this guy doing it is worthwhile because he's made an interesting article. Okay, and you're saying that for other people that they shouldn't do it. Yes. And so uh, I, I was suggesting that this could be beneficial to an individual uh, for their personal well-being as far as their, their courage when it comes to dealing with the police uh, to, to refuse to go along with their demands in this particular case could be very personally empowering. You sort of acknowledged as that uh, being a possibility, but you still are against it because it's hacking at the, the leaf as opposed to the, the root, etc., and you made another point during the break I wanted to make sure you brought up on the air. Right. You know, I've done civil disobedience myself, and I agree that you have to do some in order to get better at doing it. And, and you, you have to get your kind of your, your sea legs, as it were. 
but it can, it's, it's dangerous at the same time. Let's talk about uh, – Well, di- civil disobedience tends to be where you break a law. Uh, non-cooperation is all right. uh, probably you know, whatever. more Whatever. I, I, I fail to see the, the importance of drawing the distinctions between civil disobedience, outside the system, activism, agorism, um, n- civil non-cooperation. Civil disobedience – well, words are important because they have definitions, and civil disobedience – is where you frequently will it doesn't have to involve promotion in advance but generally you're making an instance out of breaking a law right. and in this and case, in this he, case didn't he didn't break making, any laws well, so you say but well, um, if they had broken a law they'd have arrested him wh- for wh- it what if they what, what if they decide to do it the next time uh, failure to obey the diktats of a uh, of a government official they've got that one what and if, they use it all the if? time and yeah. all i'm saying is is that they uh, the, the law enforcement officials do that and, and at that point does it become civil disobedience that you had done because they whip out one of these catch-all charges it's a good question i don't have an answer for you so that's why you don't jump in and interrupt a super genius when he's talking (laughs) so (laughs) what i'm trying to point out here is that there's a friend of the show his name's george donnelly he did some uh, activism recently he went out with an uh, an activist julian heichlin passing out uh, uh, fully informed jury association pamphlets on the steps of a federal building and julian heichlin has done this on many federal buildings i support this activism. I think it's important. However, I'd like to point out that there's a downside. If you're signed up for the Free State Project and you're looking to say, hey, get your water wings, your sea legs, excuse me, in, uh, in activism uh, by trying something before you come, we've seen this over and over again. George Donnelly was scheduled to be here the very next day, having moved for the Free State Project. Here mm-hmm. you have a guy who's who's on fire for, for liberty. He's he's ready to be active. and He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait, and now he's going to, and he has all kinds of financial trouble because of it, because they arrested him for standing on the steps of a courthouse with a camera. Yeah. They they lied. They cheated. They stole. They they hurt him. They yeah, they yeah. did all kinds of terrible things. It's horrible. Uh, Mama Alley from Savannah Last Biscuit has been arrested since she had originally planned to move up here. Uh, she would have moved in uh, in August, and she put it off, and then she was at- attacked by a, a police officer with a, a serious attitude problem. And this is what I'm trying to say, is doing this sort of activism, this outside-the-system, uh, non-compliance, civil disobedience kind of activism comes with well, a danger. And that sure, danger there's always is, a risk. Right, and that risk is that if – and most of the people that are willing to do it are signed up for the Free State Project. I don't project. know if that's true. I think that's where the, that's the jump you're the making. I would that agree we hear about that listen to this. Show. I would agree with you, Mark, that if you're signed up for the Free State Project, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing uh, activism that puts you at, at, a, at a risk until you're here in New Hampshire where you can have people backing you up. But I don't believe that everybody listening to the show is signed up for the Free State Project or everybody that wants to do activism or get active is signed up for the Free State Project. So in the, in the absence of being signed up for the Free State Project and planning a move to New Hampshire, then if you want to get active, I don't think this is a bad when, act, If you uh, want to get active, get active in groups because, it's, uh, because as an individual, you have far less power. That's and that's true. all I'm I'm saying um, when you're when you're in a small group of, of one to three to five people, they just they, they bring in enough cops that they overpower you you're in right. the sense that they they feel power in numbers and they don't mind using it. If, however, you're there and with a bunch of people, you can get what it, the message it is that you want to get across in a far more effective fashion. And I think that's I agree a real that. disservice to suggest, oh, go out there and tell these authorities that you haven't you're not going to take it anymore. You've I think that at you some point you're making you good points. No you're making good points, but I think at some point you have to refuse to go along with this nonsense. Right. Well, 
At some point, when the Nazis are demanding, when the Nazis are demanding that you fill out the forms revealing that you're a Jewish and take this uh, star and wear it, at some point you have to stop going along with it. People have been answering business or pleasure at the border for a very long time. We'll get to that one coming up next uh, because we're only at number three of his points here uh, before we got derailed into this conversation. I would love to have your thoughts uh, on whether you think this is worthwhile or not at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think that uh, that it is. Mark doesn't think so. So uh, how about you? Let's continue, though. So he's talking about uh, these misstatements to a federal officer that could result in your arrest for lying to a federal uh, officer. And he points out that uh, Cardinal Richelieu is alleged to have said, if you give me six lines written by the hand of the most honest of men, I will find something in them which will hang him. That's how the false uh, statement charge works. Any cop or prosecutor can contact can concoct a lie from your statements. The only way to protect yourself from a false statement charge is to refuse to speak to federal law enforcement officers. Number four, business or pleasure is a trap. Which brings us to the reason why, contrary to the belief of many commenters, the seemingly innocuous CBB question or CPB question of whether your international trip was for business or pleasure is a trap. You say business because you're at a conference, but the stamps in your passport indicate that you're returning from a tourist destination like Bali. Now the officer can argue that you've made a false statement, having engaged or have engaged in an attempt to claim improper business deductions under Internal Revenue Code and have broken any other federal criminal law. There are more than 10,000, which he can mold around the circumstances. You and your traveling companions say pleasure, but you're returning from Antwerp, a city known for its diamond trade, not its nightlife. Liars and smugglers. And with two people involved, the feds can levy conspiracy and aiding and abetting charges. He says, no, I'm not saying these charges would stick. I'm saying they can be concocted because of purported inconsistencies in your story. My point is the officer acting in bad faith wouldn't have that ammunition if you had invoked your right to silence. He's got some more he wants to share, and your thoughts are welcome as well. At 800-259-9231, this is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features there are free. We've got listening options, so you can uh, tune into our broadband or dial-up streams. We've also got the listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can call long distance. Uh, So head on over, get all the details on that over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Now, uh, one thing that we've definitely agreed on in our conversation so far, Mark, about interacting with the customs bureaucrats is if you're moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, chill out on all that activism stuff. (laughs) Don't put yourself at risk because you don't want to end up getting stuck uh, where you currently are by some legal nonsense. So uh, if you are considering a move to the Free State Project, then great. Look forward to seeing you up here. Uh, Get here sooner rather than later. The sooner we can get liberty-loving people to New Hampshire and get them active here, the sooner we'll get to freedom, or or at least more of it. And you can learn more about the Free State Project, which is a group of 
hundreds and thousands. We want to reach 20,000. We've got over 10,000 people pledged to move. Hundreds have already moved of people who love liberty, who understand what it means to be free, who understands that in order to be free, you have to allow others to be free. People that get it about freedom to move together to the same place. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more and get signed up. That's freestateproject.org. As uh, we are going to continue here with uh, this story from knifetricks.blogspot.com about a man who returned to um, the United States from China and refused to answer questions and was allowed back in uh, despite the protestation of the uh, the customs agents. And he's reflecting on his uh, his encounter and talking about how uh, the business or pleasure question is a trap that they use to try to uh, accuse you, perhaps, of lying to them about something. If then, if they can accuse you of lying to them about something, then they can charge you with a federal crime of lying to a federal officer. And so he's recommending that you just stay silent. Uh, just let the documents speak for themselves and uh, let you get through. Mark, you're saying this is I bad. Say, Move on through. Do whatever they say. Answer their questions. Right. Be, say, be a good little surf. Right. And I say that, uh, um, well, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, be good because it's, you know, the right thing to do. I'm saying be good because it's the expedient thing to do and this the the idea that um that the was it a business was this trip for business or pleasure question is a trap is fallacious because a trap is something that you spring in order to catch people and this is as far as i know never been done and it's certainly only very 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 rarely done so something that you can walk generally walk through um and not get trapped in is not a trap if it only catches point zero 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 one percent of the people that go through and i'd also like to point out that they don't need you to say anything if they want to say that you've lied they can just claim that you said something because there's no videotape or anything like that if the customs official wants to get your butt for some reason they're going to do it anyway if they're a bad person and they're willing to lie and manipulate in order to get what they want, they're going to do it anyway. So the the claiming that this is a trap is, as far as I'm concerned, disingenuous. He makes a great academic point, and I'm glad the guy's done it for the fact that he's pointing out how all this stuff works. But it's how do just you know not, that's never been done, Mark? I mean, how can you I, I say said, that that's never happened? I said that either it's never happened or, if so, very, very, very rarely. Because we would hear about all the people that are getting in all the trouble for saying, uh, you know, claiming business when it was pleasure or pleasure when it was business or whatever. He's saying that uh, the point is the officer acting in bad faith wouldn't have that ammunition if you invoked your right to silence. Yes, he would, because he could lie. An officer acting in bad faith can tell lies. Well, that is true. Answering the question also immediately opens you up to more questions, which can lead to more chances for the feds to claim that you said something suspicious, inconsistent, or false. And in addition, he says, and this is very much a lawyer's objection, the question requests a legal conclusion. I have no idea how many federal laws create a distinction between business and pleasure, travel, or what standards are used. It's not my call. Now, so it's uh, – I agree with him. I mean it's better to just say I don't, I don't even understand or I'm not going to answer your questions. Number five, politeness would make no difference, he says. Many of the commenters took issue with my rude tone toward the CPB officers. This criticism is profoundly misguided. He says to the authoritarian mind there are only two responses to a demand, submission or defiance. And anything less than total submission is defiance. I concur with this completely. A Lutheran grandmother from Savannah with manners of an antebellum finishing school would be hassled if she refused to answer CPB's questions. Indeed. Answering with the tart, none of your business. 
business underscores that I will not be pushed around, and potentially important from a criminal procedure perspective is an unambiguous statement that I am not waiving my rights. It is a line in the linoleum. Further, why is politeness a one-way street? Many commenters relayed stories about rude, abusive, mean, and intrusive CPB officers. The entire cop ethos is based on intimidation and domination. We should be able to give the officers a little of their own medicine, and if they're as tough as they claim, they can take it. Number six, there's a profound difference between a U.S. citizen entering a foreign country and a U.S. citizen re-entering her own country. Multiple commenters confuse or uh, conflate the distinction between a U.S. citizen entering a foreign country or returning to the U.S., uh, there are completely, or these are completely different situations with almost no overlap in terms of governing law, procedures, rights, anything. That being said, and this is a point several commenters made, entering the U.S. is a cruder experience than entering most other countries. Indeed. Although I enter China multiple times a year, I have been asked, I have never been asked a question by an immigration or customs officer in China. When you know, I have entered Thailand without a visa, the officer's questions have been limited to the duration of my visit. Once a German immigration officer wanted to know my plans, and that interview was polite and three questions long. And in my reading of travel blogs, the U.S., Canada, and Great Britain are the three countries consistently mentioned for their overreaching border officers. I'd like to say that uh, I had an unpleasant experience comparative to the United States experience. I'm not saying it was more unpleasant the United States experience, but comparative to a United States citizen reentering his own country was a United States citizen entering Haiti. Uh, when there wasn't a hurricane going on or anything like that, they were just, uh, you know, they, they had no interest in serving. They appeared to be wanting money in order to speed this process along. They were very interested in going through my stuff. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, that was my experience. He says even adjusting for the fact that a citizen has more interactions with the officers of his own country and therefore more likely to have a bad encounter, U.S. border officers have a needlessly hostile view of the citizens who, on paper, they serve. Number seven, just doing my job is bunk. Men, excuse me. Many of the commenters are obviously CPB officers or shills. The repeated references to how the CPB officers are underpaid is a tell. Yeah. And they chant the mantra that the officers on their desks are a front line or on the desks are front line personnel merely carrying out policy. I will resist the temptation to pull a Godwin and will merely respond, I don't care. Godwin meaning the uh, the internet term for Godwin's, Godwin's Law, which is where the person who ref, uh, refers to Nazis first in an argument loses. That's kind of an internet thing. Anyway, uh, he says, I'll merely respond, I don't care. When a person accepts and keeps a job which involves pressuring and tricking citizens into waiving their rights of privacy and silence while refusing to admit that the citizens possess those rights, the person has to deal with attitude on the incredibly rare occasion when someone exercises their rights. I have to agree with that. I think, I think he's absolutely right in these, and it, like his, his points are righteous. I just don't, don't think it results in much of, of use. You made your choice, officers. Don't whine when someone points out the legally and morally dubious nature of the job you voluntarily accepted, remain at, and could quit at any time. Number eight, the other right. people... and if the pay was so bad, they would. Right. And this is what yeah. it's all about. This is <laughs> what about the bennies? Right. Well, you know, it, it, this is government agency at its best. Well, we're always paid too little. We're the front line keeping the bomb toting mm-hmm. terrorists and the evil disease carrying immigrants, illegal immigrants out of this country. We're you're lucky that we're there every day taking the crap that we take, citizen, just to keep you safe. Oh, bull hockey. Yeah. How many bombs have they caught? Right. 
Uh, this is a bright red herring. Oh, excuse me. The other people in line. This is a bright red herring. To the extent any immigration or customs line is being slowed down by a citizen refusing to answer questions, it's because the CPB officer refuses to accept the fact that the citizen is lawfully exercising right. her rights. This is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. When a citizen comes, butts heads against a bureaucrat, it, the citizens in the line behind them want the citizen to bow down, not the bureaucrat. They never say, hey, bureaucrat, shut, shut up. up and let him go. They yep. always say, sit down in front, down in front. Slave on slave violence. And more coming up here. Uh, your thoughts are also welcome in the remaining moments, which are on the way at 800-259-9231. He's got a couple more points he wants to make. 1-800-259-9231. You could take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. There are only moments remaining, but enough time still for your calls, if you make them now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Dot com. And if you want to help support the show, you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a portion of Amazon's profits. Same great Amazon, same great prices, huge selection, super saver shipping, which is free on a lot of stuff. You get all of that, the usual Amazon experience. You're just entering through our portal, which tells Amazon that you came from us, and then they reward us with a portion of their profits. So start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We're talking about the ups and downs of refusal to obey, uh, refusal to to do as the customs, specifically customs, uh, the customs bureaucrats demand to answer their questions. Uh, and that's what they want. They just want you to, to, to bow down and do whatever it is that they uh, they ask you to. And in this case of this guy, the, the blog that we're reading from knifetricks.blogspot.com, He's, you know, handed them their, the passport and he handed them the declarations papers. Just wasn't going to answer their questions because he believes that he's not legally re- required to. Turns out he's right. Uh, so he's talking about some of the objections that people come up with as to, well, you know, what about the people in line? And if you've missed the rest of it, you can grab the archive later at freetalklive.com. But he's pointing out that really people should be upset at the CPB officers because they're not doing their job. Right. They're breaking the law. By allowing somebody to just go on without speaking. They're not breaking the law. They're not upholding the law in the manner that they're supposed to. So he says, as a practical matter, there's almost no holdup. When a citizen refuses to answer questions at the first kiosk, she's ordered to secondary within a minute or two. The wait is less than it might be if a returning citizen submitted to questioning, actually started answering questions about business or personal, or what were you doing there, and why were you there, and how long did you stay, and where did you go, and what did you eat, and so, what is your grandmother's bra size, and what, so on and so forth. Certainly this could be true, but there's also instances in life where um, you're, you're dealing with bureaucrats, and you're trying to get some kind of motion out of these bureaucrats. 
bureaucrats, and it's very difficult to get that. And the the the, the people in line don't want you to do it, um, and they want you to go away. This happened to me one time. I was uh, ticketed for parking in the library parking lot when I had gone into the library. This they oh, said wow. that they said that I had uh, parked in the library to go to someplace else. When I did. You know, like I went somewhere and I believe I got something to drink or something like that mm-hmm. and then went to the library or went to the library first. I can't remember what. But they gave me a ticket. And so I went in to talk to the librarian uh, to get their name to be able to, to to fight the ticket in court. The librarian would not give me her name. Wow. I couldn't call her. She didn't want That's to be called oppression. as a witness. What's that? That's official oppression, I think. Well, it, yeah, this, it wasn't New Hampshire and I didn't know any of this stuff. And the, the, the there's this awful hag behind me, like she doesn't want to give you her name. Go on, I'm trying to check out a book. <laughs> the weight is less than it might be if you submit to questioning or had a complicated multinational family situation. In addition, living in a free country means that sometimes you're inconvenienced by others' assertions of their rights. On occasion, you have to see advertisements for products you think are disgusting. Have your morning commute hampered by a strike, or have to drive a half a mile out of your way because of the GLBT parade. Perhaps I or a like-minded person made your stay in the airport four minutes longer. You'll live. Number nine, small successful battles can prevent large losing battles. He says when it comes to rights, you don't know in advance what battle will be important. But you do know, based on history and human nature, that a right undefended will shrivel and die. If you don't fight for the small right, you won't be in a position to assert the large right. Moreover, the existence of the right of privacy is usually based on whether people have a current expectation of privacy in a certain situation. To the extent that people decline to assert their rights of privacy, it slips away. Lack of vigilance by citizens begets more government power. And I agree completely with that. Uh, number yes, two, I just think there's a more efficient, less efficient ways. Well, to there's go about always it. going to be activists who have, who are going to critique your activism. You can always actually more more of just people that sit <laughs> on the sidelines people, yeah. and critique your activism. So uh, I, I say do what com- what feels right to you. Uh, number 10, travelers who have presented proof of U.S. citizenship should not be detained for refusing to answer questions. And he says that's what this is all about. Once a traveler has provided bona fide proof of U.S. citizenship, he or she is entitled to reenter the country. CPB should not be asking questions as a matter of course. And if citizens assert their right to silence, CPB should not be detaining them. So there you have it. Uh, 1-800-259-9231 to the phones and the fun on the amp lines unscreened. Hello. Hello. Hey, it's Dylan from Tucson. Dylan, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, I was listening to your uh, the podcast show again, as I always do, and you were talking about uh, my home state of Arizona and uh, the most nasty politician we have, Joe Arpaio. Sheriff and how Joe. His deputies, yeah. his deputies killed a lady in their jail, and, and you guys uh, mentioned that the uh, county attorney declined to prosecute. Well, there's a really good reason for that. Uh, the guy's name, uh, Andrew Thomas, he's long been uh, Arpaio's crony, and uh, he was the he was the attorney at the time. He just resigned in April to run for the statewide AG uh, because the AG resigned to run for governor. Uh, anyway, this guy has been working with Joe, filing all kinds of uh, nuisance lawsuits. He's had uh, Thomas is really corrupt, and he's part of this FBI and Justice Department probe that's uh, looking into. Arpaio's activities, his refusal to turn over documents, his refusal to cooperate with federal investigations, and these multiple harassment suits where he would file lawsuits, uh, criminal charges, uh, through the attorney's office against his political opponents. He once subpoenaed the New Times. Uh, every visitor that went to their website for a period of two years 
I hope they told him to go pound sand. Yeah, they did. But uh, but ultimately, you know, these would they would do the damage. They would do the political damage. They would smear his opponents. The headlines would read, you know, so and so charged with this or that. Uh, and then eventually they would just dismiss the charges quietly. Uh, but this is how he's manipulated and, and terrorized and, and intimidated all of his political opponents. So basically they put a the woman in 108 degree temperatures. They put her out and uh, I'm just going to turn you down a little bit there. They put her out because of the car noise. Uh, but they, they put her in this box, essentially, this punishment box in 108 degree temperatures. She died of heat exhaustion, not being able to get enough water. I mean, it's bad enough being out in 108 degrees in the, the hot Arizona desert. It's worse if you don't have water. In fact, it's, uh, it's deadly. I think it could be deadly in both cases. It's certainly deadly if you don't have water. This woman died. They've got all the evidence they need. There was a 3,000-page report that was written up about it. And this county attorney, not going to do anything about it. And how are you supposed to deal with that? As somebody who cares about uh, human rights and other human beings and their being, them being mistreated, how are you supposed to do anything about that? There's nothing you can do. No. Well, there's nothing at all except, you know, hope that the, the feds punish this guy. But the chances of that happening uh, in any, any but the most nominal sense are, are very low. You know, he might be disbarred. He might lose his it's not our, job. But right. that's... That's not anywhere near what he deserves for yeah. what he's. Well, Arpaio is not going to face anything. It was just his agents at the, 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 the uh, you know the prison or whatever, and that might even just be state agents. So Arpaio is not going to face any charges, and the county attorney uh, he can charge whoever he wants. He's not under any obligation to bring any charges against these government bureaucrats. I guess the only way you might be able to do it is to somehow get to grand juries, but they've got those guys so locked up and so brainwashed it'd be impossible. So he, he charges innocent people with scurrilous, uh, foundationless charges when it's politically expedient. And then he goes, you know, he'll protect his own and, and uh, refuse to file charges when they're yep. obviously applicable. You know, it's just disgusting. Yeah, the only the only solution is to get the heck out, really. I mean, to, That's uh, all I can see. Right, to get to New Hampshire. Get, get the to uh, the Free State uh, Project. Well, I'm a signer, so I'll be there when I can. Great. Well, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Anything else you want to share tonight? No, I just thought I'd, I'd, I thought that was an interesting uh, corollary to what you were talking about. Yeah, it's, it, it figures. I mean, the guys the guys in bed with uh, with uh, like you said, all these cronies, and they've got control, and they, he keeps getting reelected. Whether that means he's actually being reelected or they're just throwing the elections, it doesn't matter. That he's still there. And in fact, I I even saw a rumor. Now I don't know. It's really early on, right? But I saw a rumor the guy's considering a run for president. Our, uh, our Joe, our Sheriff Joe. He's He's got a yeah, lot of declined, people like him. He declined to run for governor, and uh, some of the speculation was that because he was gearing up to possibly run for president, but who knows? Well, you know, you know he, he, the presidential race is, is a uh, much more scrutinized race than you're talking about. The what the, the Is it Phoenix County or whatever? Uh, the, Maricopa. Maricopa County. Maricopa County, you know, that's it's just not nothing like it. It's not even the same league. You can run for senator, you can run for U.S. House, you can run for all these and not get near the scrutiny that you're going to get once you start dealing with the national media of the presidency. And I don't think that Sheriff Joe Arpaio can handle it. No, I don't think he can either. But, boy, it would be great if he did because then all those skeletons would get dragged out of his closet <laughs> on, the, on the national stage. Yeah, maybe he should just keep his little fiefdom down there. It would probably be his, the smartest move on his case, but uh, maybe he's not that smart. I don't know. Thanks for the call, Dylan. I appreciate hearing from you, though. You can't be an idiot and uh, be able to get away with all the things he's gotten away with. You think? 
I, I'm I think not saying he's dumb, too. but I mean, people yeah. pff, look. Uh, who was that uh, guy who ran for president? Edwards. Uh, I mean, his yeah. he's he's having an affair with his uh, with his you know some gal while his wife's got cancer. I mean, it was absolutely the stupidest thing ever. We are out of time. We'll be back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.